found a new story. It sounds really rough today. The audio sounds really rough today. Let's get this party started, Jason. Hey, hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for more minute, four minutes and twenty seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Friday, July 15th, 2022. This is episode 323. And I'm Jason Beck, the longest continuous retail operator of cannabis in the United States. Yeah, I am Rico Lamy. I, 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 I need that to do my story, bro. I can't I do that. Okay. All right, so I'm Rico If you're listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday, 9 a.m. Pacific on certain stations. Partner with us and over 31,000 state of cannabis news hour members. If you want to be an audience participant, please support our show by subscribing and leaving us a review. Today, we are talking about. House approved more marijuana amendments to the defense bill, including banking and 
Magdalene Medical Access. The Colorado Cannabis Sales Decrease into Group 1 budgets using top tax revenue are in danger. France re-enters the medical marijuana industry after more than a half century hiatus. New York marijuana regulators update medical rules, issue new grower licenses, and leave retail rules as is. Survey found, uh, found cannabis is effective in mitigating musculoskeletal pain. And then finally, body cam footage shows spooky badass I'll be kicking off the show today. My name is Rico the Meat, the show for the Street. I like to ask the tough questions that mainstream media refuses to ask. You can find me on a TEDx stage or one of my cannabis events. You can always find me here with Dave, co-producer and co-host of Dave Cannabis News Hour. You can get your daily fix. Let's get this done. Positive. Viewer discretion advised. On mute. Right, so my story is coming from TME lately. I know um, I've been labeled as the reverent celebrity cannabis <laughs> uh, operator for our team, so I've just been rolling as we go with it. So, tough, uh, bougie badass, tough, and starts pumping on the top. I'll spit on fucking everybody. Booby Badass, the artist formerly known as Lil Booby, wound up in handcuffs following a Georgia traffic stop, sending the rapper into a profanity-laced tirade out, and of course, TMZ obtained the body cam footage from the incident. For the police report, Booby was a passenger uh, in a blackjack Billy Blanky morning while a 19-year-old driver, Deshaun Lawrence. Uh, they, pulled, they were pulled over for heavy window tint and video tags. The police then claimed to smell cannabis, searched the vehicle, eventually finding a large bag of cash and the and that is when things got really <laughs> I 
tired and I'm tired of what he's going to. So, um, Booby told the cop that he was only living in rural Georgia to get away from the police, uh, adding that he's a lover, not a fighter. Well, in fact, having 35 women at his house at this very moment performing sex acts waiting for him. Especially, Lawrence took the fall for the weed in the car and he was excited about the cop. And Booby was at release. Cops took the weed, but he did not end up going to jail. I don't know what the laws are in uh, Georgia for smell the weed and like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I see this as a win because nothing else came of it. He was not arrested and plenty of miles on boys uh, from Virginia have gotten pulled over for just having the smell of weed within their car alone and they actually did time for it on the music for it. So I think it's a win on that end. But uh, I was hoping to uh, have anybody um, who is familiar with Georgia law that I mean, the reality of it is this, is that weed looks like straight fucking bammer weed, straight brick, Mexican brick weed from fucking Tijuana, okay? I wouldn't even give that weed away, okay? That shit is fucking hay. He needs to go back to the middle of the fucking barn and fucking repent for his sins. I mean, I mean the, the the reality of it though is I don't understand why he didn't think that he was or why he thought he was immune from getting pulled over because of his fucking tin and windows. 
I mean, come on. You have fucking tinted windows. You already know what time it is. You already know you're subject to get to get pulled over and you're already subject for harassment. So why you got so mad about this is just fucking beyond me. Um, it, it, it is normal for law enforcement to handcuff people if they feel that they need to detain them in that way and they let them know that they're just simply being detained. That is normal procedure. It's happened to me numerous times from law enforcement. Um, yeah, yeah, that's why I was um, hoping to get anybody law enforcement on the show today and the audience ask them, like, what is the proper protocol that if they pulled him over for a separate tent on the windows and a concealed license plate? I don't know what the law is. Like, have you tinted screen on your license plate? You are not allowed to have any type of anything covering your license plate. No license plate shield. No, none of that bullshit that impairs law enforcement's ability to read a plate. Okay, that's another reason to get pulled over. It's some dumbass shit, and you fucking like, I don't understand why this is even a thing. Yeah. I agree with Jason in that way. I don't think like what, how they did it was correct in any way, but I mean, literally, you're driving with cannabis. I mean, anybody should know that. You've got to be following the other laws. Right. Really. And he, he, did, he did draw a lot of attention to himself by the behavior. He's wilding out at the cops, knowing that there's weed in the car. Hold on, didn't he went to jail too, right? No. He didn't go to jail? No, they got a ticket. So he didn't spit on all the officers or anything like he was talking about? He didn't spit on the cops. They didn't put one of them spit bags over his face? Nope. And he didn't okay. any nurses, no nothing. Um, everybody left the scene COVID-free. Well, all I know is Lil Bossy smokes boof. <laughs> Lil Boofy? Yeah, Lil Boofy. Lil Boof Cake. I'm just glad they didn't find the illegal pistol in his car. That's great legal advice, Omar. <laughs> Even though I'm not white. The cannabis industry is long and continuously operating retailer and the president of West Hollywood Cannabis Tourism Association. Jake Beck, good Friday morning to you. What do you have left on that? Oh, yeah, Rico, coming up. My story comes out of in the marijuana ordinance Wednesday night. The move not only meets the approval of law enforcement, but is a significant step in alleviating jail overcrowding to a large degree. Effective immediately, instead of talking, uh, take, taking you to jail on a misdemeanor charge, police can now write you a ticket. It'll be no different than, say, a traffic violation like a speeding ticket or running a red light. 
well, is, I mean, speeding you ticket, you're probably speeding if you're running a red light. But nonetheless, this is something the police department pushed because before officers had to spend hours and time doing paperwork and then take the marijuana suspect to jail on what amounted to a misdemeanor charge. And therein lies the key part. The new ordinance does not include felony marijuana charges, only the misdemeanors. So what has given us the ability to not have to tie up an officer with two hours on a physical arrest. It's mainly an administrative procedural thing on our end that allows us to write the citations. We're obviously still going to take the marijuana from them because it's still illegal, but they are allowed to leave the scene with a citation. Now, there are still consequences. Still, the court dates and fines, said Tuscaloosa Assistant Police Chief Steve Rice. And Rice estimates they handle around 1,000 marijuana misdemeanor arrests every year in T the city of Tuscaloosa. Well, I'll tell you what. I think this is a great win that the people of Tuscaloosa are only going to be subject to a ticket. That's a, a big victory and a big step in the right direction. But nonetheless, it's just a little bit of weed. You, I mean, it's, you're not getting a ticket for having broccoli in the car. So why are you getting a ticket for having a little bit of weed in the car? And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Shout out to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I mean, isn't Tuscaloosa in Oklahoma? I thought it was. So Tuscaloosa is okay? Tuscahoma. That sounds serious. That sounds serious. What do you have to say about that one, Liz Rogan? Or not. Your mic's off. What do you have to say about, about that one, Liz Rogan? Where you still don't play. That's your next door neighbor. It's Oklahoma, right? Turn up the volume. She's actually going to understand the story. She couldn't understand the story. I mean, the story was basically they have. Yeah, you'll get two tickets. You'll get a ticket for speeding and running a red light, and you'll get another ticket for your possession of weed. Is she not here? Biggest story is trash. That's not what she said. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, in actuality, this story only came up because it's all Stone Slade fault. But nonetheless, <laughs> I'm a, coming up next to the stage is a political strategist by day and a baker by night. A true female multitasker who can not only bake up a storm, but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Taking off the apron, it's none other than Gretchen Gailey. Who's supposed to have their mic on? I am.
Now I can turn my volume up, right? They're saying Clubhouse is super echoey. Rico, mute it, mute it, mute it. Everyone's saying the feedback is way too much. Everyone's complaining about it. So we have Gretchen next is Shalina and then Omar. You want to try that? I'm I'm with you all the way on this, Gretchen. I don't. They have totally bumbled the ball this whole way on, on this. Um, I, I have seen tweets on Twitter um, from numer numerous different journalists and political insiders saying that that uh, legislation was going to be dropped uh, within the next two weeks. So we shall see. But I, I totally agree with you. This shit is DOA. They ain't got no time to pass nowhere. They ain't doing nothing but passing time. Did anybody even? Ever believe that this is going to get passed? Like, any, any of the 
Democrats either. Like, I think, like, everybody, they took it as a joke from the fucking beginning. It is definitely. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. It's only there. It's only there to keep you guys, give you guys something to talk about, because ain't shit happening. Shalina. You cannot deschedule cannabis by executive order, Omar. That is a that is a false reality. You cannot do that. You cannot. No, 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 you cannot. The attorney general could, but the Biden as a president cannot, cannot issue an executive order. He could do that, but come on, he's Sleepy Joe. He's sleeping too much. He's over here in fucking Saudi Arabia doing all this fucking bullshit. Fucking come on. The answer is Saudi Arabia? Yeah, yeah, because they have amazing weed there. Merrick, Merrick Garland, they... Merrick Garland, is he, is, he a, is, is he a promoter of cannabis? Or is he no, a he's a prohibitionist. I, I, I love everyone that likes to dream big on our stage today. Well, you know he's a grandstander and a hater on safe banking, um, and only wants to do only wants to pass any type of bill that only has his name on it and no one else's. So, since Chucky e. Schumer's name is not on safe banking, I would put money on it that he's going to torpedo it again. I mean, I I I I I'm dreaming in reality, okay. And 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 if history tells us anything, that's exactly what's going to happen again. I mean, maybe he wants to introduce it, uh, Gretchen, so then that way when he's the minority leader next year, he can have it reintroduced. He's going to be the majority leader. Uh, <laughs> is, 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 Donald, is Donald John Trump? 
AOC needs to run against him and primary his ass. Chuck Schumer's just happy to be there. Like he, <laughs> he's not getting fired. He's been around forever. Like he just has to show up. He's happy every day. We do not. We do not need term limits. I'm totally against term limits. I think that's the most stupidest thing ever. Joe Six Biden years is amazing. How long has Joe Biden been in Congress? He's been in in there too long. That's term right. Limits are not elections. And we know and, and gerrymandering too, Gretchen. You can't you can't not talk about that. Well, that's one thing Democrats don't do, show up to the polls. Those were all, those were all dead Democrats, Liz. Yeah. Dr. Felicia, hold on. Dr. Felicia. No, that is total fake news. That, that, that is, that is total total ridiculous. Hold on. Hold on, Dr. Felicia. Can you tell me this with a straight face that you believe that more people voted for Joe Biden than did for Barack Obama? Do you, do you believe that? Can you say that with a straight face? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are all fucking lying to yourselves. Yeah. You guys are lying to yourselves. If you think there was any public sentiment that was excited about Joe Biden being elected. No, that is, that is ridiculous. There, no, there's, there's actually not. Jason said, Jason said it. Jason no, that's why we have all them dead voters for, voting in all these states that are all Democratic voters. In his heart of hearts, he knows that he knows that Donald Trump won. He's, yeah, the Don won. He's going to win again, 2024. It's going to fucking be amazing. We're going to get fucking cheap gas. We're going to be able to move around the country and go on vacations again. You know, you know who doesn't need gas? 2,000 mules. Oh yeah. Alright, y'all. It's time for the Gaslight. Oh uh, yeah. We're gonna play that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know you guys have been uh, patient with us with the reverb and everything, so we're gonna keep on trucking through the show. Um up next, this attorney at law focuses on the next point between cannabis, entertainment, psychedelics, while providing excellent, fantastic, phenomenal documentation of all her exploits on Mark Zuckerberg's front yard. Social media. Bringing us on with our next story is the owner of the podcast, Shall We Toke? And she is a, um, a bright light to the rest of the team. And I think it's not only because of her beautiful blonde buzz cut that she brought to the motherfucking situation last week. Up next is Shalina Panu. 
You have it set up here. Your microphone is only in yours. No, I don't. So what do you want me to do? They're getting shitty audio from us. I can just move to the other room. That might be the only way we have to do it right yeah. now. I'll just move to the other room. We'll just do a post recap on here for the fucking post. Mm-hmm. Yes, we tried. We're going to get this down, though. I'll tell you that much. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know. <laughs> hmm?
to introduce ah. well that was a fascinating discussion and i hope a lot of people got a lot of amazing information out of this but coming up next to the stage he's the founder of the cannabis law firm with offices in california and New York, director of the National Cannabis Industry Association, legal publisher and author, whose 2022 California Cannabis Laws and Regulations was just released. He's a Gangier, sommelier, and a purple black belt in high style Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Coming up next to the stage is none other than Omar Figueroa.
Rico. 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 We only have two stories after this. We only have Stone Slade and Liz Rogan after this. Okay. We're going to let them all talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to go through this process, 
but it sure helps in uh, crafting a successful application. And I say that as an attorney myself, so maybe I'm biased. But I'm glad that uh, New York is going forward. If they had changed their regulations, they would have had to uh, restart the comment period. So I think the explanation for why they did not, uh, you know, change the regulations is because they want to go ahead and start licensing adult use dispensaries as fast as they can, and this indicates that. And I'd love to hear what the other uh, correspondents say. The headline is, New York Marijuana Regulators Update Medical Rules, Issue New Grower Licenses, and Leave Retail Rules As Is. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, author, and Ganja instructor reporting from Sonoma County, traditional territory of Pomo Nation for the State of Cannabis News Hour. I mean, New York is just a mess, and this is going to make it even more messy, in my opinion. Well, definitely the illicit market is thriving in New York. Steve Blue told me it's a complete free-for-all. And when I see, like, mobile dispensaries on Fifth Avenue and the cops don't care, uh, it seems like the regulated market is going to be extremely challenging. And to me, I don't see any point in getting into the regulated market in New York when it'd be far cheaper to go and open up 20 bodegas as opposed to open up one legal weed store. Anybody else on that story? You guys hear me okay? Or better now, at least? We cut off all the analogs and switched into separate rooms here. No idea what's going on with the feedback in the clubhouse here, so I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, all our expensive mics and everything. And clubhouse didn't want to take it. Clubhouse just wants to die. All right, so um, definitely apologize to everybody for uh, the, the, the sound issues that we did have. Try to get this thing right here. But up next, we have. Uh, is, it, is it Dr. John? Or we have Stone Slate next. Jason. It's me. It's Liz. Liz, Liz is next. Let's go. And then Stone Slate. Okay, perfect. And then Dr. Kelly. She's an educator, brand strategist, healthcare consultant, founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County, enjoying a fresh morning data drip, drama free. So cut the crap before it crowns everybody. But you know what? Her name is Liz Rogan, and she's coming down from Santa Barbara with something to say on this beautiful Friday morning. Liz Rogan, what do you have for us? Thank you, Rico. I appreciate it. And greetings, everyone. Happy Friday, and thank you for joining us, whether it's morning or afternoon. My story today comes from Normal. The headline reads, Survey, Cannabis Effective at Mitigating Musculoskeletal Pain. So new research published in the Journal of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons shows that patients suffering from musculoskeletal pain disorders report obtaining significant pain relief following their use of medical cannabis products. The research paper is titled, Quote, patient experience and perspective on medical cannabis as an alternative for musculoskeletal pain management by Perez et al. So opioids are frequently prescribed for pain management, but high use potential adverse effects and thousands of overdose deaths have uh, highlighted the urgency in seeking alternatives for pain management. This study aimed to evaluate the experience and the perceived analgesic efficacy of medical cannabis in managing pain with these conditions. So it comes out of Puerto Rico, a team of Puerto Rican researchers. They focused on 184 chronic pain patients who are at a major medical cannabis center in Puerto Rico. 
They uh, interviewed them for two months. They entered, answered a 28-question survey, and they did look at the demographics of medical history, cannabis usage, cannabis use perspective, and analgesic efficacy were addressed. So of the 184 patients, the majority were males, 67%, and the average age was 38 years old. This study showed an average pain reduction score of 4.0 points on the numeric reading scale among all the participants, and that's how they read their pain. Those with musculoskeletal conditions reported a notable average pain reduction score of 4.47 points. In addition, 89% of the participants considered medical cannabis to be more effective than narcotics for adequate pain management. So this study demonstrated that the use of medical cannabis among patients with musculoskeletal conditions effectively reduced their pain levels based on the numeric rating scale reported scores. And this finding is consistent with other studies. Data from Canada in 2020 estimated that one in five Canadian patients battling musculoskeletal disorders use cannabis to ease their pain. So among pain patients enrolled in medical cannabis access programs across the world, most subjects report decreasing or even eliminating their use of opiates. The authors concluded, quote, this study showed that the use of medical cannabis among patients with musculoskeletal conditions effectively reduced pain levels. More patients, most patients using medical cannabis considered it represents a better option than narcotics for pain management. And additional studies on medical cannabis should evaluate whether the experience and perspective presented in this study could translate into satisfactory and consistent clinical outcomes, end quote. So I'm sure that most of our listeners here are aware of the benefits of pain management of cannabis, or at least have heard about it. But I think this study is very important because it, it, it focuses in on a specific condition that causes a huge amount of pain in which a huge amount of opiates are often prescribed for. And I think it's really great to show that cannabis is able to reach this level of pain that these people are dealing with. And it wasn't somewhat, you know, it wasn't a tiny study. So I would love to hear what you guys think. Um, I'm Liz Rogan reporting for the State Cannabis News Hour. Well, it just backs up what we already know. So it's good to see. Stuck at home with extra stimulus money and or beefed up 
places to buy more or different products. And now there's an economic downturn shifting that purchase of power. Stephen Webb, Chief Operating, Operating Officer of Vivid, a Denver-based developer of cannabis and huge products, can see larger companies assuming that the Colorado, that Colorado is a done market, spending more in the new emerging markets where, the, where it's, there's more excitement around cannabis and it's fresh. The decline in sales has been felt harder on medical cannabis businesses. During the first four months of 2022, total medical marijuana sales were down 42.3% statewide compared to the same period in 21. Sewell of Epic Remedy said additional regulations on the cannabis industry that went into effect this year are especially hurting medical sales. In an attempt to curtail the use of high-potency THC concentrates among young people, Colorado passed a new law that went into effect January 1st, limiting how much cannabis concentrates medical patients can purchase in one day. House Bill 21-13-17 significantly reduced the daily purchase limits for medical concentrates to 8 grams for patients 21 and older and 2 grams for patients 18 to 20. Vivid CEO uh, Jesse Cristardo said a medical consumer used to be able to buy 40 grams of concentrate. That was in one trip to the dispensary. Obviously, they're medical patients, they have a medical challenge, but the way the regulations have changed, they can't buy as much, so it's more challenging for them to get to the dispensary. Bradley said that as those sale numbers go down, the tax revenue is going to go down for the first time ever. If those numbers hold, we're going to be looking at an $80 million shortfall at the state level for marijuana tax revenue. Those are going to come out of much-needed programs such as youth prevention, mental health, and building schools, he adds. So this is an issue. You know, with profits already falling, a new ballot initiative in Denver to increase the city's recreational cannabis tax by 4.5% would be a mind-blowing shot in the foot. It could be the final nail in the coffin for some of the smaller dispensaries. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Purple's a beautiful color. Just want to say that. Yeah, no, it's red. Most guys are color nice, so. Purple is my favorite color. Purple is Purple is also one of those colors that casinos use to keep you entrenched in there to lose all your money. It's also the color of the uh, beautiful and illustrious Crown Royal bed. I heard an activist say that they think that the legal market was set up to fail. Does anyone believe that? Yes. That can't be the yes. first time you've heard that, Dr. Lindia. Yes, absolutely. I was uh, speaking with somebody last night. They said that they think federal legalization is going to end up just like Prop 64. I was like, I hope not, but um, we'll see. We gonna see. So. All right, Rico. Let's, we we gotta move. We got one more story coming up. Let's keep it moving. And to bring us home today, we have the founder of Medican and co-founder of nonprofit data-driven cannabis research organization CESC, and his words carry a bit more weight than your average keyboard. Warrior. Up next, and bringing us home with a smooth landing is Dr. Jean Talleyrand. What do you have for us today, my man? Thanks, Rico. Uh, I'll wrap it up with a story from fizz.org. That's also a lesson to be learned from French history. Uh, the headline is, France re-enters medical cannabis industry after more than half a century hiatus by David Guba, Jr., a historian of cannabis and colonialism. Earlier this year, the French legislature approved the first cultivation of cannabis inside French territory to supply an ongoing clinical study. The study was launched in March of last year with cannabis supplied from abroad. Now France can legally grow its own to supply the 3,000 patients using cannabis in the study. The study is overseen by the National Agency for the Safety of Medicines and Health Products, France's Food and Drug Agency similar to the US FDA. Uh, the agency has bo 
posted the study as a groundbreaking effort to produce the first French data on the safety and efficacy of cannabis to treat cancers, nerve damage, and epilepsy. But this is not France's first attempt at a medical cannabis industry. In the middle of the 19th century, Paris was the epicenter of an international movement to medicalize cannabis. At first, cannabis was seen by pharmacists and physicians as a dangerous and exotic intoxicant from the Arab Muslim world. Although some scientists believe that cannabis could be tamed by pharmaceutical science and made to be safe and useful for treatment of disease. In the late 1830s, French pharmacists and physicians began making and selling hashish-infused edibles, tinctures, and lozenges. They even sold medical hashish cigarettes for asthma. In 1840, a French epidemiologist named Louis-Rémy Aubert-Roche published that hashish administered with coffee successfully cured the plague, seven out of 11 patients. At the time, germ theory was not the prevailing dogma, and the plague was thought to be a central nervous system disorder transmitted by a miasma or bad air. Although Monsieur Aubert-Roche was wrong, the hashish he used was likely exciting the nervous system and counteracting some of the symptoms of the plague. Another physician, Jacques-Joseph Moreau, reported curing seven patients from mental illness at a hospital in Paris with cannabis. Although the sample size was small, physicians from the U.S., U.K., Germany, and Italy began to praise his work, and cannabis grew in popularity. Some pharmacists complained that it was difficult to standardize cannabis doses because of the variable potency of the plant. As a result, an alcohol-based hash tincture was made that became so popular, a legal battle ensued over the patent for the tincture. One physician proposed that the hash tincture cured cholera, but when the tincture failed to cure the 7,000 Parisians killed by cholera, cannabis fell out of favor. Scientists began to blame hashish as a cause of insanity and criminality among Muslims. Sound familiar? The article's a good read. It points out a few lessons to be learned from French history about a medical cannabis industry. Number one, Race-based medicine is bad medicine, poor science, and a false interpretation of humanity. Number two, we should be mindful that medical knowledge unfolds over time. And number three, we should temper our expectations of the benefits of medical cannabis and not overpromise and underdeliver. Otherwise, the author is a huge fan of cannabis as medicine and sees a promising future. What do you think? Are we overpromising on the benefits of cannabis as medicine? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand from the State of Cannabis Development. It can't be for everybody. It's it's a great medicine for a lot of people, but it's not for everybody. I'll say this: it has a much higher percentage of people that it's good for, as opposed to what it's bad for. And if you look at pharmaceutical drugs, drugs that are created by pharmaceutical companies to treat certain ailments only treat 10% of the population that that drug is designed to help. I like hearing the history here. Thank you, Dr. Talleyrand, because I think it's good to see what other countries have been doing for a long time. So, but the United States were definitely lagging behind that. I think the best message is overhype 
is sometimes detrimental to the success of a product and just being realistic is going to make cannabis stay around for quite a long time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're marketing any drug within the pharmaceutical industry or, or when you're uh, working with cannabis, you just, you know, we can't, we can't say, oh, you, you know, you've got gum disease, smoke weed. Oh, you've got heart disease, smoke weed. Oh, you've got pain, smoke weed. Like, it's, I mean, it, it, it does have diffuse and wide-ranging benefits over multiple body systems. But when it starts to be something that you use for everything, for everybody, it loses its credibility because it, in fact, is not the perfect solution for everything but it's a great solution for so many things like for example it should be the number one first choice for anybody who's treating seizure to put people through all these other seizure medications with their horrifying consequences is 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 just a terrible way to manage that population and it should be the number one thing that we recommend for people with musculoskeletal pain and fibromyalgia fibromyalgia is should be by definition an ecs imbalance Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for your comments today. We are at the end of the show. Um, and I apologize to everybody on Clubhouse. I implore everybody, please, please, please check us out on Twitter Spaces. Um, we're having trouble with the audio, just piping that into Clubhouse. And I, don't, I don't know if there's any way to uh, fix that. We went through a bunch of different things there in Twitter Spaces. We just have not had the same issues with it. So I, I just want to apologize to everybody for that. We will um, be doing everything live from Twitter Spaces in our replay that we post up less than an hour from the show will be on Twitter Spaces across uh, all channels. We'll be pumping out that um, uh, link for everybody to check us out too. So please subscribe.